The OTB Podcast Network with Green Farm on the go. Snack smart with 100% natural protein-powered chicken bites. What is it? 18 minutes past eight here this morning if you want to get in touch with us uh, on uh, WhatsApp 087-9180-180. We've been talking about the future of sport all week. And I think we're going to continue talking about this now for the next few months until we get some consensus about it. All inspired by what's going on in New Zealand where they're trying to restore the notion that fun is the main part about participating in sport and that if we lose that and if we continue to adopt the win-at-all-cost mentality, then people are going to continue to drop out. And what's the point if everybody drops out? Uh, so to that end, I'm delighted to say we've got Dermot Ling with us um, for a general catch-up. Before we get into all that stuff, Dermot, c- congratulations on your your um, high-profile transfer move. You were making waves. You're uh, hurling in Kerry now. The big winter move, Ger. Uh Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean... It's, it's hard to know how to even approach it. It's not, uh, it's obviously there's a, a global shutdown in sport. And so any story maybe will do. Uh, I just, I want to play. I definitely just want to play again. And uh, it doesn't look like I can get too far up the road anymore. So if I can get into Tralee to play, uh, I, I, I certainly take that. Um, but it doesn't, you know, like there's kind of one life, one club. Like you feel these things in the GA, like these maxims, and you feel like you, you, it's something that you stay kind of loyal to or true to or whatever. And then there's just sometimes you you, you have to move because the game, you just want to play the game, you know. I was driving the other day and had uh, Radio Carry On and you were third story on the sports news, dear <laughs> Mitch. But, 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 <laughs> I mean, yeah. The look, the lads, in, the lads seem the the Parnells really seem to be kind of. I I don't know, like down in Kerry, you, you, the landscape is so different um, in terms of hurling and as what I'd have been used to. Um, so it's really just, uh, yeah. I I I don't know. I I don't know. It's not anything. It's not a necessarily a big thing for me. Like when I think about hurling, I think about St. Martin's. I think about Wexford. That's the that's the area that I when I feel the game like that's what I feel and this is nothing has happened yet I haven't been to a train session I haven't been to a game I don't know any of the lads so it's not it hasn't been a thing yet uh, for me so I just I hopefully I can get in and play some games I had a daughter two weeks ago uh, so that's going to put manners on me and my uh, ability to head off for three or four hours into Tralee to play a game of hurling but um, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it you obviously wanted to play. I think this is kind of, it's actually at the centre of all of the stuff mm. that we want to talk about really is like that desire to just play and have fun and commune as opposed to, and look, maybe you want to compete. Maybe you want to, you know, you want to play as well as you can do. You're like a natural competitor anyway, but um, it's not, you're not going there to win a Kerry championship necessarily, but just to actually enjoy the weight of the ball in your hand again. Yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's about the size of it. I mean, I think with all of this conversation, Jordan, and we've talked about this a few times before, um, th- there is a role in, in uh, as as I feel it, as I see it, there's a role for com- competition in this conversation about uh, about the future of sport. I mean, there has to be because it seems to be something that's quite instinctive to a certain amount of us, maybe not to everybody, um, and there has to be the, the conditions. I think will always exist where people with a, a natural sense of competition will gravitate towards a team sport where there's a little bit of chaos and the aim of the game is to win. I mean, that's, and I think that's fine. Where it becomes problematic and where it has become increasingly problematic in, in, in Ireland is is around, I mean, globally, whatever, in, in just folks on Ireland, 
um, and maybe the games that we know here, like like in the GA, you would say that it gets when when it gets locked up with when that need to win gets locked up and locked in around identity, it becomes very problematic for fellas, and then we begin to see you know the the narrative of having to hate the fella up the road who's playing the same game and that's what defines our area is our hatred of these people up the road or um the the i suppose the, the whatever the different trappings of the win at all cost philosophy that drive people out of their natural rhythm i mean that's really kind of what you're that, that, that's what we're trying to resolve a little bit the fun side of it i think comes in uh a little bit more naturally then because it's interesting i i created a, a game um the GA have, have 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 are addressing this and i think uh around the world the problem facing sporting organizations is is dropout uh and so the organizations essentially have to resolve this problem and then we in like in the media have to have conversations about it um but i suppose i feel like the responsibility the little bit of an anarchist in me uh feels like we have to start this problem out in ourselves first uh, and where uh, what we consider play to be and what we consider the commons to be. And it seems it seems to me anyway that there is less and less places we can go socially because of insurance and because of land ownership where we can actually just play. And so it becomes this very defined, well, the GA club is a place or the soccer field is a place or the rugby field is a place where you can play. And I would totally reject that and hope going forward that we reject that because I think we should be able to play anywhere. I think there should be games of hurling on the beach. I think it should be in farmer's fields. I think we can shut off traffic on a road in the, in the middle of a town and play a game of hurling. I think that these things can be possible when we have shifts in ourselves enough to realize that actually play is probably more fundamental to us than doing businesses. Uh, and, and that's where, I think that's where there's, they're more maybe, they're wilder ideas, but sure, of course, that's what I'd probably arrive at, sure. Yeah, well, uh, like, uh, you know, um, beach hurling sounds like uh, we should be trying to get it in the Olympics, except yeah, not, we, we, not competitive. We, we started doing it in, in, in the summer. Um, and one of the things, so this, this, this is where the nuts and bolts of it then shift, because when you're, when the aim of your game is to play, uh, is to play to win, then in the tackle you play to win and you tackle to win. And it's not about the other person who you're tackling, it's about you. And it's about you getting the ball to get it to somebody else in your team to score. When you play a little bit more, uh, when you play allowing for your community, when you play allowing for women playing with you, when you play allowing for children playing with you, when you play with people who have never played the game before, and you try and allow for those people to play the game with you, and yet still knock the same enjoyment out of it. What I, what I have found is that if you tackle for example, if I come to somebody in a tackle and I know that they've been playing for six months and I'm playing for all of my life, the responsibility falls to me in the tackle to tackle with that knowledge, with that deeper and greater awareness, because that's what I have. And it's, it's with me that responsibility is. And my responsibility is to the person that I'm tackling. And what I'm saying to them is I'm not giving you a free ride because you're not going to learn anything by that. But I am going to give you enough space that you learn and you grow. And all of that's happening in a split second, but that's the responsibility that you have as the better player. And when everybody takes that attitude or when that attitude is adopted as kind of one of the rules of the game, replacing a win at all costs mentality in the game, you, you can see the improvements that people make. You see the joy that they experience in making the improvements. And 
it's just I, I, I couldn't I couldn't even begin to explain to like people down here in West Kerry who've never held a hurl before uh, after an hour on the beach of playing and the sense of satisfaction and the sense of joy and the sense of gratitude that they have not only to you for organizing it but to everybody else around them for taking part in it is 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 it's spectacular you know so that's that's why i like i'm the the organization have a responsibility and they're tackling it and they're tackling it very very well and i, I just heard last week we were on with with colin regan um i mean colin kills a few of the clubs that, that were on were talking about the the social games and the benefit that it has been particularly in the lockdown and it's and it's it's phenomenal it's it really is phenomenal um one of the things that came up was really interesting was around the coaches who were at our parents themselves and they went back in to play this social game and when the game was starting like they kind of organized a match against another social team um and uh, <clears throat> i guess less high stakes than the normal the normal games that are there uh but everybody in the dressing room got nervous before like the, the, the jerseys were laid out and it was kind of done a little bit seriously and her man, the, the, the coach, the, the guy who was guiding the team wanted them to feel this and they came in, they saw it and they got a little bit of butterflies and they, and, you know, they were like, Eugenie, I don't know, do I want to play in this anymore? And he was saying, right, that feeling there, that's nervousness. That's what 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 14-year-olds, that's what they feel before every game, before training sessions. They feel a little bit of nervousness coming into a dressing room with a load of, you know, with 20 other people to have to go out and play a game. And as a coach, you're 10 times better to know your own nervousness to get a sense of what theirs is to be able to interact with them. So small things like that, I think, open doors in how we empathize with uh, our young people and the people around us in, in, in order to play in a, in a particular way that I think is a little bit more sustainable than drive it as hard as you can for as long as you can, as fast as you can. I don't think that's going to end well. Yeah, it uh, it burns out people's love of the sport if it's always, um, you know, like we, we got sold the whole self-improvement thing as a <coughs> shtick from the 80s that exploded into a multi-billion uh, dollar industry and everybody wants to get better, but is getting better actually like crushing your opponent every single time? Probably isn't. I mean, I mean uh, ultimately it probably isn't because we all have to live together uh, increasingly more of us on an increasingly... The, less resources. Um, so, uh, like, is there a way that we can use sport to be an accommodating thing that keeps 15, 17, 19-year-olds active? Well, it's it's a tough one. Like, it's a, it's a tough one because I think this is, it's mirrored as generally is the case in sport. It's mirrored in greater society at the moment. And you have the people who feel that uh, competition is essential and win at all cost philosophy is a natural aspect of the human condition and the game must continue as it is. And anybody who says anything to the contrary has been overly feminized or has been too impacted by their mothers or is looking for a softer approach to life or something like that. Uh, and so the transition, as we kind of transition more over time into a game that is less, maybe maybe less cutthroat or maybe has less negative connotations when it comes to place and things like that it, maybe there will be a little bit of a something will come to the surface in that you know like we, we see that socially people think oh well you know um the, the polarization of society or racism things like the, these things are uh they come to the surface when somebody like donald trump comes to the presidency but i, I think just when, when certain conditions are, are come up when certain topics of debate come up that everybody has to have then those things come to the surface automatically, I think. And we will see people who feel that that is a softening uh, of the game. But 
from my experience, and, and, and this I think is probably the only thing of, or one of one of the few things that has real value I feel here is because going to the top of the game in the way that we are encouraged to go to the top of the game and the experience at the top of the game, well, I wasn't at the top, but I'm up, up around there somewhere and looking around me at the fellas who are with me and playing against me, certainly the most the most um, prescient thing amongst that, that whole experience that I can say is that there was a, a lack of joy. Now, that's not to say there wasn't joy. There certainly was joy. And people who who won, lost, did brilliant things, did amazing things, uh, had injuries, experienced different kinds of joys all along the way. There's no doubt about that. And, and there's no point, you know, thinking that that's, I'm, I'm saying something severe there, of course there's joy, but should there be, could there be, is it possible that we, that it wouldn't have, it, it wouldn't carry the tension, it wouldn't be weighing fellas down, it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be creating a kind of a, you know, this notion of sacrifice, that we have to sacrifice to do this, like, hang on there now, like, can we just roll this back a little bit, stop training fellas six nights a week, clubs roll back, give lads a chance, and we talked about these things three or four years ago, Jar. And one of the things that always came up was you can't change it. It's going forward. It's only going forward. It's only going more precise. And then coronavirus comes along, and yeah, it, you can change it. You know, you can. It, it it can be changed. So I think as we begin to reimagine what our engagement uh, with, with sport is like, <clears throat> which is what we have to do now, um, and it's all all cards on the table. Like you know, whoever wants to put forward the best ideas and the most sustainable ideas. Uh, and the most reasonable ideas that people will run with them, you know. Um, so I think I think definitely that way was gone too extreme um, for clubs and for county teams. That way it was gone too extreme, and it, the feedback went back in through the GPA. The feedback came back from the players um, at intercounty level, and maybe the club is only going to get there in time anyway. Where they say, look at if our freedoms can't be curtailed so much. The notion of not having a weekend off for nine months like for fellas who are working, okay, they choose to do it, but do they need to choose they they they'll they'll choose to do it because they want to play and they'll and they'll accept certain things because they want to play because they have a real burning ambition to play. But do we need to take advantage of that? Do we need to hang their athletic, athletic identity over their heads and say, you can't play if you don't train all the time and tell me where you are all the time and wear all the same gear all the time and sign this contract and do this and go here and don't do this. I mean, what are we doing? Like, you know, to have a man say to another man, you can't go here. You know, like, I, <clears throat> I like that in the professional sports. They say, you can run... 100 meters in 10 seconds on Saturday, and you can run 100 meters in 10 seconds the following Saturday. It's not really my business what you do in between. Now, here's a list of things you probably should be doing, but that's the responsibility, your 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 output, you know, and how you are. So, we we have a huge opportunity to reimagine it, and I'm glad that this conversation has taken place at the likes of you know you know Pat on this week and and, and plenty more besides um, to have those conversations. So, um, I I was thinking about last night, your I mean. Sometimes I feel my my time and off the ball. Like I, I can I like I think about the overall experience of it, or I think about individual experience of it. And, and and at times it was a bit of a struggle. But there's one day I remember very very clearly in what I would consider in a way my work off the ball because which with you was heading off up to the park, the two of us in the gear and and and, and moving back and forth and moving side to side and catching and blocking and missing and doing everything else but playing hurling together yeah. is like a standout memory I have 
uh, like I can see the colors you're wearing. I can I can feel the movements in my body. Like that's a standout moment. Now we could have gone and had a coffee, and I don't think I'd really remember that. I mean, you're an interesting manager, but I just don't <laughs> think I'd, I just I just don't think I'd remember it because I was probably you know I'd be going meeting people. That's a thing you do, you know. You go meet people for coffee, but it's quite unmemorable. But when you feel it in your body, and there's two people playing back and forth, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and whatever it is, a WhatsApp group gets together and just plays wherever they want to. I mean, I I, I feel it's. Uh, yeah, yeah, I feel, I feel it's, I feel it's possible, it's feasible, and it's valuable. That's remarkable. Like it's, I, I guess that's something that a lot of people would probably attach to their childhood as well, dear. With that, that idea, if you had to pick out specific moments, you'd almost pick out the games you played as a kid easier than any other moments. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I have. Um, I mean, maybe Billy Rackard might have brought it back to me in, in with the title of his book, No Hurling at the Dairy Door. But I have uh, one of one of one of my most distinct childhood memories is being at the the dairy door in my my, my mother's sister's place in Thomastown, Helen Farrell, whose whose sisters, um, whose daughters, um, Megan, Anna, and Shelley all play for uh, play for the Kenny Camogie team, and, and Donjo played for the hurling team, and we would go up to their house, and I can remember being outside that door playing hurling for hours and hours, what seemed like hours and hours on end. Maybe it was only for an hour, but it doesn't matter that. You know that that kind of memory, and I think maybe that's something that we do. Owen, is it you know like a lament for our childhood or something like that, like for those simpler times. But those experiences, I think we those those experiences can be created and recreated anew as thirty-year-olds, forty-year-olds, fifty-year-olds as well. That if we can just move into that sense of playfulness out of the serious work of who of who we are in the high street, of who we are in our jobs, of who we are in our relationships, and move into very sincerely and very genuinely like just a, a, a timeless play and that is what play like that is what the big invite of play is the opportunity to experience a flow state where you move out of your social mind you're worrying you're concerned your whatever mind it is that you have into uh, into flow like that's the invite of sport and uh, and not sport but play and so we're more we're afraid of that <clears throat> i think to be honest we're afraid of that flow state in a way so we set the thing up in a way that has structures and systems and and thinking 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 because the the human condition is such that we just seem to be most afraid of that flow timelessness that we that is possible for us um so that's gone maybe way out there but no i think that's the whole point i think that's yeah. that because what we're saying is by by forcing kids to drop out because we insist on only picking the best and forgetting the rest, is that we deny them the opportunity in their teenage years, the joy of going hurling. I remember that too. I, like, I've had a million coffees that I don't remember, but I absolutely remember that. And I lament the fact that I haven't done it with anybody since. And it, stupidly, I haven't accessed that, right? But it's mm-hmm. like, it, it's precisely the removal of that from um, people in their 20s and 30s and the rest of their lives. We're saying, no, you can't have access to that. You can't do that. Don't do that because you weren't good enough in the first place. That's stupid. It's a really stupid thing for society to do. And I had a snowball fight with my kids at the weekend, and it was brilliant. <laughs> it was absolutely yeah. brilliant. And they were shocked. They were absolutely shocked. And I was like, why are they so shocked? I was, do I not do this stuff with them <clears throat> enough? But clearly I don't. But there mm. was that sense of like this being random and anarchic and who knows what's going to happen. And uh, I don't know. I think that like the the... the pure focus on elitism and the investment that we make in elite sport is is the wrong way around. We should have a pure focus on investment in grassroots. And if elite stuff bubbles up from it, then support them on the way 
but it's the fact that everybody's playing that's the glory of this, not the fact that some people can play brilliantly at the very top. They're great, and that's brilliant, and I'm delighted that you had that access to an elite career, and you were elite, but that doesn't define you. Ultimately, now, it certainly doesn't at this stage. It, it probably did when you were at that age, but wouldn't it be much better if 15,000 people of your age group had access to the same kind of... Uh, whatever it was that brought you up, you would have bubbled up anyway, even if there had been loads more people uh, doing it around you. Maybe mm. I got lost at the end of that, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, it was a nice little round. Um, <clears throat> I think that, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what will happen out of it, I suppose. you just We just have to focus on the conditions that we think, the creation of the conditions that we think will allow for a greater participation and a greater joy and what that looks like i mean we only know the elite model like american sport went the way that it went you know british sport world sport <clears throat> cricket i suppose maybe over um in asia different different places like sport has gone a certain way once it became once it became commodified um and so we know it as an elite game um we know the inter-county game or we know the premiership but we know the elite side of it Again, like there's, I think it's just a, a fear of what what would it look like if it wasn't that? What would it look like if all of our time wasn't dedicated towards that? I mean, I have to think about here. I had lovely conversations with Owen about this, and I think that they're very worthwhile in, in, in the G and in only in the GA context. Am I talking? I'm not saying rugby and soccer and other sports don't have the same possibilities, but in a GA context, if I am playing in we say on Gaeltacht, where maybe my child, you know, my, my, my little boy may start playing, want to play hurling soon, and uh, or maybe football, and we go and we might start up a little small hurling team, or we might play a little bit of football, <clears throat> and they, and he just the the the, the central focus of of the experience is is playing there, and I see then in on Gaeltacht, I meet you know the the two or three hundred other people who who, who go to the club. And I've chosen to be here, and they've all they all feel the same, and they've chosen to be here. And the championship is more, is there's more, there's more investment in it, I suppose, in terms of energy, not in terms of money, but in terms of energy from the GA, and more essentially, there's more energy in the GA club and their focus uh, at a local level. Then you know the championship down here is a more serious thing, maybe, and the, you know the, it's it's going to be there, there's a, a broader interest. In it locally, and that makes me want to stay in my in, in this locality or in my locality or people all over the country in their locality a little bit more because there's a little bit more meaning. They're not just cast aside to the very end of the season where it's run off in six weeks. So I think that the possibility is, and, and, and I, but it's, it's coming of course from the mindset that urbanisation is a dangerous thing. Like that's how I feel about about that. So I think that for further to be less of a movement from rural places into the, into urban settings like i think overall that's a more beneficial strategy i think the government would have different ideas but i think if we're, we're when we're more populated out here it gives meaning to areas it gives meaning to places it gives life to places it gives culture to places it breeds a certain energy into a place and the ga is one of the very um uniquely placed organizations to to, to really add to people's the value of people's lives in country and in, in rural areas um so I, I think that definitely divestment in um, the trappings of the elite game and a movement towards uh, increasing energy and increasing time and increasing focus and increasing sponsorship or whatever it is, TV deals or whatever, moving more and more towards the globe um, 
in terms of focus gives local areas, gives small towns and villages more of a reason to to to, to you know to be. And when you've got young fellas, then you know, 23, 24, if I see them in inventory and they're out running, like I know that they I know the I know the old lads in the area, like I know that they love to see that. Like they love to see the young fellas out because it means that they've stayed, it means that they're here. And that gives them you know, it impacts the whole community. Yeah. When you go for a run, you're not going training. Like, you're not going, that's what you think. You think you're going training, but you don't realize that every window that you pass and everybody you pass along the way is looking with joy in their heart at the fact that you're there. Yeah. And and that's like, this is, when looking at where we are in, like, in the context of the last year, that kind of stuff. Like, the other stuff is for the, 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 the lattes have fallen away quick enough, like, but that stuff, that's the gold, man. That's the gold. And so... How do we how do we cultivate and create it by conversations like this? Definitely, but also your yourself and Owen getting out for a few pucks, or yourself and whoever you want to getting out for a few pucks and organising those games and doing it. And if enough people start doing it, then more and more will follow. It's true. It's true. Dermot, always great to talk to you. Congratulations on the new baby. Hope everything's well, and I hope your whole family as well. Thanks a million for joining us. Thanks, Ger. Lovely. Take care. Yeah, it's not on. Dermot Lane giving us some thoughts on the future of Irish sport. Uh, OTB Future is the hashtag that we're filing all this stuff under. If you want to um, give us some thoughts on that, uh, we'd love to hear them. The OTB Podcast Network with Green Farm on the go. Snack smart with 100% natural protein powered chicken bites. 